Hi, this is Lori. And this is Rachel. Welcome to Tales, Tales from, from the Rock Side. Hi, everybody. This is Lori. This is Rachel. Hi, Rachel. How are you today? I'm all right. <laughs> I was like fine for a while, and now I feel like I'm like antsy. It's like snowy and kind of gross outside. So yeah. I'm like, kind of like cooped up. Yeah. How'd you sleep last night? Um, better than the night before. I slept like That's shit good. the night before, so I slept pretty good last night yeah. comparatively. Um, the dog was very cold last night, so she was real cuddled, which was very cute. But uh, yeah, so I slept okay. That's good. How about you? Um, I had a lot of strange dreams. Did you? I had weird ones, too. Yeah, yeah. I think it was just that, like, a lot of them had anxiety to them. Yeah. You know, and, like, there was this one that we were on a road trip, and we went to a restaurant, and, like, we got there early, and it was a place that I had eaten before, so I was like, this place is really good. Oh, weird. We got there early, and and I was like, oh, no, they aren't open yet. And so we started to leave, and the, the owner came out and said, oh, no, no, come on in. We'll go ahead and open early. And I was like, okay, that's great. So we go in and sit down, and he comes over, and all of a sudden they get tons of people. Oh, and weird. so he's going to, like, take our order, and he took, like, everybody else's order, but then he's like, oh, wait a minute, i got to go do something. And then he never came back, and so he didn't ever took my order. Mm. And so I started to get anxious because I was like, okay, they're going to bring all of you guys' food out and I won't have right. ordered yet. And it's going to make this meal turn into like a 10 hour meal. <laughs> and like, we kept seeing him wander, like going around doing stuff. And so I was like trying to chase him around the restaurant, oh, trying weird. to be like, do you want to take my order too? And yeah, it was yeah. just, it was very strange. That's a weird one. Yeah. Yeah. The one I remember from last night was I was back in high school because I always have those fucking dreams, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, excuse me. I was back in high school and we had like cubbies rather than actual lockers. And for some fucking reason, rather, because it was snowing outside, because that's what it's doing right now in Ohio. Yeah. Which is quite lovely. Um, but I, for some reason, rather than wearing the combat boots that I currently own that are like my winter boots, I put them away in my cubby and then I put on like fucking. Doc Martens, not Doc Martens, um, Converse, like, like, okay. canvas yeah. shoes, which I haven't owned a pair of Converse in at least 10 years. Yeah. So, then I, like, started walking home and my feet got all wet. I don't, it was so bizarre. <laughs> it was, and then, like, you know, the whole time I'm doing that thing where I'm like, I'm out of high school. Like, you know, yeah. you're, like, aware that you're out. And then I got home and I was like, I was like, I can't find my combat boots. And then I was like, Yes, I can. I put them away, like, at school. It was just yeah. weird. Yeah. Like, the whole time I was just like, did I forget where everything is in my life? Yeah. And then I woke up and I was like, my combat boots are downstairs and I haven't had Converse in at least 10 years. <laughs> it was really bizarre. Dream logic. Yeah, it was just yeah. weird. And I just remember being like, my feet are all wet. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> it was weird. Yeah. It was a weird one. Yeah. Like I said, my, and I had a couple others that were just... Yeah. anxiety kind of thing yeah. my morning anxiety my were more like i'm cold <laughs> which oh, that's probably true yeah exactly yeah i'm in like a sweater today because i'm chilly as you were bundled under your like five five, five blankets comforters and a, dog. and a dog i was like i'm cold <laughs> jordan got me a heated blanket yeah and uh 
me and the cat got real comfy. And Do you like the heated blanket? I actually kind of like it. I thought I was too gonna, sure if you're gonna like I it. I was scared that I was gonna be like, I'm gonna catch on fire. Yeah. <laughs> but I actually really liked it. Yeah. So I the cat sweat so bad. The cat I had a fucking blanket loved on. it. I'm sure she does. She's into it. Yeah. It's very cute. Because cats are weird like that because they'll sleep on like computers and stuff. I know. They're warm. And well, she sleeps on me. Yeah. And well, she sleeps on Jordan more because he's warmer than yeah. I am, but he moves around too much. Yeah. And then she gets mad, which is pretty funny. Yeah. But yeah, the heated blanket, me and the cat were, Ugh. ow, we were so comfy. Yeah, I would vomit. I was like, this I is the best. Oh, and I had the heated blanket on over top of a comforter. Oh, you're insane. I was comfy. It was really cold How my day, though. How was he not sweating? I wasn't. I don't know. I don't, I don't sweat when I sleep, I guess. Oh my gosh. Or at least I don't notice it. Yeah. I don't know. Jordan sweats when he sleeps. Yeah. So I think he just sweats out for both of us. <laughs> and I'm just like, like <laughs> I'm just sitting there just like, I'm a burrito of warm. <laughs> it's quite nice. The that cat was very cute when we got it. <laughs> they were on sale at Meyer, so. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure the cat did like it. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. We got it and pulled it out and the cat instantly was like, this is mine now. <laughs> it was very cute. Anyway. Right. So today... We're going to talk about a rock pioneer who had a tragically short career. Yeah. Jimi Hendrix. Yay. Born James Marshall Hendrix on November 27th, 1942. Didn't realize Hendrix was his actual last name. Yes. That's a fucking badass yep. last name. <laughs> and dying on September 18th, 1970. Yep. Which makes him part of what people call the 27 Club. Yep, that's what I thought. Yep. Uh, sources for this episode are from Pioneers of Rock and Roll by Harry Sumrall and the Jimi Hendrix website. Right. And, of course, Wikipedia also. Yeah. And some of the stuff on the Jimi Hendrix website, it's obviously still owned by his family, so it casts, like, his dad in a much favorable well, light than almost every other source. So, green assault with some I mean, of that yeah, stuff. unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. happens. So, although Jimmy was a singer and a songwriter, he was primarily known as one of the most influential and creative, creative guitar players yep. ever. He used a real wide variety of effects, like fuzz and feedback and controlled distortion, and he really melded, like, blues and rock to create a really harder but a still real subtle sound, yep. you know, very intricate playing. and Left-handed guitar yep. player, too, right? Yep. yep. I yep. knew that. Um, his childhood was marked by upheaval. Um, his parents had a real tumultuous relationship and they ended up divorcing and his father got custody of him and his brother. Oh, that's an unusual. Mm-hmm. His mother later died of alcoholism. Oh. And I think he was pretty young when she died, like maybe mm. around 12, if I'm remembering that right. That is young. Um, he was a pretty sensitive child, pretty quiet child. And he told a girlfriend later on that he had been sexually abused by a man in uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, and there there wasn't any, I couldn't find any more detail than that. Yeah, it's just a... Yeah, I don't know if there's a friend of his father's yeah. or, or something. Um, his father, Al Hendricks, said Jimmy was interested in the guitar from a young age. Mm-hmm. He, he said, I used to have Jimmy clean up the bedroom all the time when I was gone. And when I would come home, I would find a lot of broom straws around the foot of the bed. I'd say to him, well, didn't you sweep up the floor? And he'd say, oh, yeah, he did. But I'd find out later he was he used to be sitting at the end of the bed and strumming the broom like he was playing a guitar. <laughs> now, he kind of says it like, oh, this cute anecdote. But right. I've heard other sources saying that he really did not want Jimmy to be playing the guitar. And I've also heard some sources that said he used to beat Jimmy for trying to play the guitar or pretending to play the guitar. Right. 
So yeah, I mean, like I said, cute in theory. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was he definitely had this overwhelmingly interest and passion in it right. from an early age. Oh yeah. To the point of, and the from all accounts, he really did try to play the broom, or he would carry it around and pretend it was a guitar and stuff mm. like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he was actually trying to play right. the broom, but <laughs> I mean, but pretending it was a, yeah, a guitar. Yeah, it's a very cute thing. Yes. For like a little kid to do. Yeah. It's very cute and adorable, but like the scary part is that parents can be real assholes. Yes. Not mine. Mine are pretty cool. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, he found Jimmy found an old ukulele. He was helping his dad uh, clean out some garbage for this lady's like a job. Yeah. You know. And he found this old ukulele had one string, and he said something to the lady, you know, if, if you could have it. And she said, sure. And she's like, it was in the trash. So I mean, yeah. Um, so he he would learn to play a lot, like all self-taught um, on this old ukulele. He would pick out tunes. You know. I know. I know. Um, when he was 15, Al bought him a $5 secondhand acoustic guitar. And he joined his first band, or put together his first band, called the Velvetones. Good name. Yeah. But he was a little frustrated because, you know, you can't hear an acoustic guitar in a band situation. No, you really can't. Yeah. And the following summer, uh, it said Al purchased Jimmy his first electric guitar, a Supra Ozark 1560S. So his dad kind of gave in to the... I think so. Okay. I think, I mean, you know, there's not a lot of details. We don't hear, I don't know of any accounts from Jimmy himself. Mm-hmm. So it might have been something where, you know, his dad was like, oh, do this and then I'll buy right. you a guitar. Could have been like a bargaining chip. Yeah, for of sure. Yeah, I, I don't think his dad went, oh, this is a real passion of yours. Right. Let me encourage you. He might have just yeah. been like, ugh, it's easier just to be like, fine. <laughs> or, or like I said, you know, yeah. go go help me do these jobs and instead of giving you money, I'll give you a guitar. Right. Okay. You know. Um, and when he had that guitar when he joined a group called the Rocking Kings. Mm-hmm. The Rocking King. Very cute. Yes. Um, but by the time he was 19, he had been caught by law uh, twice riding in stolen cars. It, it didn't say that he was actually stealing the cars, but he right. was, you know, obviously he was participating. Yeah. yeah. So he was kind of given a choice of, you know, you can go to prison or you can join the army. Right. And he obviously joined the army. I mean. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. You are given a choice at that point. Yeah. yeah I kind of get it. Um, he enlisted on May 31st, 1961. Oof. And by November of 62, he had earned the right to wear the Screaming Eagles patch for the paratroop division. Oh, wow. But, he, you know, he wasn't a real, like, gung-ho soldier right. or anything like that. And he did have a guitar on base yeah. with him. And, you know, a lot of times they said he just wasn't working very hard. And yeah. was, you know, fluffing off playing the guitar. While he... <laughs> Not a good time to be joining the Army. I'm exactly. just going to say it. That sucks. <laughs> um, while he was stationed at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, he formed the King Casuals with bassist Billy Cox. <laughs> the King Casuals. Cute. Um, he, was, he was discharged uh, due to an injury he received during a parachute jump. But I think it was also kind of one of those... Um, you know, he, he didn't, <laughs> you're not doing much. You're not doing much. Oh, look, you've got this minor injury. You can take the opportunity to get an honorable discharge, Yeah. you know, or oh, stick yeah. with it and we'll probably kick you out with a dishonorable discharge. Right. Take the honorable and get out. Exactly. Exactly. Which isn't that uncommon. No. Thing to happen. No, I know plenty of people that have had that happen. Yeah. Uh, he began working as a session guitarist under the name Jimmy James. 
Why would you change the last name? The last name is so good. I mean, yeah, but I mean, we're looking at the name Hendrix it's as. It's still a cool fucking it, last name. It's kind of cool, but you know, this is, like, this is the time of a lot of, you know, kind of rhymey That's names. True. And, you know, that kind of stuff. That's true. I just think that Hendrix is a fucking cool last name. I Even so without the context. Yeah. It's just a really dope last yeah. name. And also, he was spelling Jimmy, J-I-M-M-Y at the time. Oh, okay. It, he was spelling yeah. it traditionally? Yeah, okay. traditional name, yeah. Um, by the end of 1965, he had been play- he'd done session work with a lot of different bigger acts, mm-hmm. like uh, Ike and Tina Turner, right. Sam Cooke, the Isley Brothers, Little Richard. Um, so, yeah, he ones. was, yeah, he obviously had gotten a good reputation as a session guitarist. Um, he was also playing with Little Richard, like, in his backing band some. But he got tired of that. He parted ways with Little Richard because he wanted to form his own band, which he called Jimmy James and the Blue Flames. Because he also wanted to play... I love a good rhyme. I know. He also wanted to play lead guitar instead of just being like the background yeah. oh, for guitarist. Sure. Yeah. He met uh, Chaz Chandler while playing small venues in Greenwich Village around 1965-66. And Chaz had been a bassist for the group The Animals. Mm-hmm. But he was kind of looking to get into some management. Right. And when he saw Jimmy, he was like, oh, this guy's got some talent. And he signed... His eyes popped out of his head like an old cartoon. probably. (laughs) He signed him to an agreement that would have Jimmy move to London to form a new band. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he went to London and he formed the Jimi Hendrix Experience. And this is when he changed the spelling to J-I-M-I. And he formed the Jimi Hendrix Experience with drummer Mitch Mitchell and bassist Noel Redding. And they started playing around London, or, like, around the fall of 1966. Sorry. That's fine. And, you know, their sound was really different, and they caught on really fast. Um, Because, but people had a really hard time classifying it, you know, are we going to go see a blues group? Are we seeing a rock group? Are we seeing, like, the beginnings of psychedelia? You know, they were kind of having a hard time placing them. Uh, Jimmy said... We don't want to be classified in any category. If it must be a tag, I'd like to be called free-feeling. Cute, but really hard to organize. Yes. He said it's a mixture of rock, freak out, rave, and blues. I'm not really sure what the sound freak, freak out, out is. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's that sounds so like 60s, um, isn't it? it? Yeah, that's really 60s. <laughs> it also sounds like like almost 90s rave culture. But it's like... Almost. Well, so, what, so what kind of music do you play? Freak out. Freak out. Oh, okay. Oh. Freak out. I'm assuming you're on a lot of LSD while this conversation is happening. I think that's, yeah, just like, a fair oh, amount yeah, of Oh, yeah, freak that. out. Sounds good. And then you're just taking off your top. Because I'm assuming that that's what you did on LSD. I don't know. I didn't do LSD. <laughs> I don't know. Freak out. I mean, maybe. I don't know. LSD was in the... Yeah, the mid-60s, so yeah, it wasn't, who knows? It wasn't prevalent in my uh, drug-taking years. No. Nope. 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 The, they're, the, ugh, sorry. <laughs> We even did our practice. I know, and we we had last week off because of a family emergency, and yeah, it, we're a little out of practice. Out of we're having a little thing, over weird. Trying to speak a little slower because I know I have a tendency to speed through. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the experience's first single, "Hey Joe." Ooh, that was the first that's single. That's the first single. Yeah, that's seen... a good first single. God damn it! Signal. Single. single. You fucked up, and then I, I had know, to fuck up. I know. I had to pass on. Pass it on. <laughs> Uh, it spent 10 weeks on the UK charts. It topped out at number six in early wow. 1967. For, for the first single. First single. Yeah, that was, that was pretty successful. That's crazy. 
Um, that debut single was quickly followed by the release of a full-length album, Are You Experienced? Oh, <laughs> it's and, a great album. Yeah, which is a real psychedelic album for sure it has all those elements that you think of like as a 60s. classic yeah oh yeah late 60s um and it it really had a lot of songs that be, just really became the anthems oh yeah you know? and a purple haze is on that album right yeah it, yeah it it is the one of the most popular rock albums of all time yeah. it's it is usually it somewhere in the top 20 of any, oh, for any time sure. make a list of for sure the top rock albums it has um Purple Haze, The Wind Cried Mary, Foxy Lady, Oh, I didn't Fire, realize Foxy Lady was on that Are You too. Experienced? Man. Yeah, Are You Experienced itself is well, just yeah. an amazing song. So I didn't realize Foxy Lady was on that album yeah, as well. Yeah. I, for some reason, I assumed that was on the later one, but no. whatever. No, so yeah, that's very much a... Purple Haze. Yep, yep, classic, classic yep. album. Classic song, classic album. Um, he was, Jimmy was very successful in Br- Great Britain right from the bat, like I said, but America was a little slower to catch on and mm-hmm. it really wasn't starting to play his stuff yet. Um, as we are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Paul McCartney, who had seen, like, from what, one of the things that I had read <laughs> For said, a second I thought you were going to be like, Paul McCartney, who... Uh, oh, if you don't know who he is, he's Do in the you know who Paul McCartney is? I was like... Yeah, we'll, we'll get like, to them later, <laughs> in case you don't know who Paul McCartney is. Um, anyway, <laughs> I was kind of like... Hey, you never know. I know. know. There was always that joke when I was growing up and they were like, like said something about uh, the band that Paul had before Wings and people were like, Paul had a band before Wings? It was like a bad joke. That's a horrendously bad joke. Wow. It was like an old old dad joke. That sucks. (laughs) But anyway, so apparently um, Paul McCartney had gone to see Jimmy play Mm -hmm. and like the day or or a couple days before... uh, this concert, um, the show, I should say, not really a concert, but this show, uh, Sergeant Pepper had been released and Jimmy heard that Paul was in the audience. So they opened the show playing the song, Sergeant Pepper. That's actually and, really bold. Yeah, That's bold and, as hell. And, you know, did it, I'm sure they really handed yeah. it up. Oh, for sure. You know? And so, yeah, so Paul McCartney was very impressed with I would, him. I would pay money to hear that. That'd yeah. Be yeah. And, uh. That's also bold as hell to be like, I know that the person who... Like, oh yeah, so per- let me play your song. I mean, it yeah. was a tribute, but it was also like, it's, look how good, look how I, good am. I am. Yeah. That's a fucking bold move. Yeah, and I'm impressed. But so Paul McCartney suggested that they put Hendrix to be on the bill at the Monterey Pop Festival. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> and when Paul McCartney says something, you just do it. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And they're like, oh, you think he's good? Well, he's probably pretty decent. Right. <laughs> I think at that point they were just like, <laughs> all right, we're surprised you're contacting us, but fine. <laughs> like, okay. Um. Well, at Monterey Pop Festival was one that was helped organized by John Phillips. Is it? Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure which was. Yeah. <laughs> I just imagined the phone call and being like, I can't do, yeah, a, I I can't you... do a Paul McCartney voice. Yeah. I was going, I no, thought about no, it. Please, no accent. This is, a no, this is an accent-free podcast. No one wants to hear that. <laughs> I'm not even going to try. I really want to try, uh, but I won't. Please don't. <laughs> Maybe I'll pull it out on the Beatles episode. There you go. Maybe we'll try it then. <laughs> Um, but anyway, I know what's getting cut. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think Paul McCartney was just calling out people out of the blue. I think it no, was I more love a that idea. Of, yeah, the, he was the, chatting with people he knew and right. they were organizing the festival. No, the idea of him calling up the festival and being yeah, like, and like Put Jimmy Hello, this is Paul McCartney. See, like, that's yeah, what I was right. gonna do. I was gonna go. Hello. Right, pull Hello. the other leg. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> I, I did it really quick. <laughs> it was a really fast one. Yeah, we're gonna skip around past that. 
So, <laughs> so anyway. I the, know what it's supposed to sound like in my head, but I know I can't do it. <laughs> to the Monterey Pop Festival. The experience performed at the festival on June 16th, 1967. And, like, they really stood out because a lot of this festival was... Um, hippy-dippy? Was very hippy-dippy. Like I said, it was the mamas and the papas. I mean, yeah. and, and no shade Yeah, no, no, no. I, no, I love that. But it was a lot of, you know, lovey-dovey kind of stuff. Right. And Hendrix's music... <laughs> Hendrix came on and everybody went, what yeah, the fuck? And, <laughs> and while, you know, like, his appearance was very much in the whole flower power kind of thing, well, yeah. he, the music was much harder, much but more like... aggressive. I will also argue that Jimi Hendrix is fucking hot. Oh, absolutely. And he was a total sex symbol. Yeah. Pretty, he's pretty a quick. Babe. Yeah. Yeah. He is so cute. Um, but it, like I said, it, it his their set really stood out yeah. because, you know, like I said, their music was much more ferocious. Right. And like no um, no shade to any of the hippy dippy ones, but they're usually not like hot looking. Yeah. Where I could see like, you know, you see Jimi Hendrix, you're like, oh shit. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing I was gonna mention was that he also stood out because most black acts of that time would come on stage and had very, you know, very processed right. hair, had their very shiny suits. Yeah, it or, was a it was a white look. It it was or it was argue. a mainstream, mainstream look. It was a very mainstream look. And you know, in Jimmy, when he came onto the stage for this, he had on this puffy shirt, yeah. an embroidered vest, uh, velvet pants. Is this when he had a full full fro? He had he had the fro. Yeah. He had jewelry on. A yeah. man wearing jewelry is pretty unusual. Yeah. Like rings, like multiple rings. Oh yeah, for sure. He had a headband on. Like I said. Yeah. He. It was very. It was a real distinctive look. Right. That's you know? like the first thing I think of with Judy Hendrix because I also am an art person, but I think of that look specifically yes. with the bell bottoms well, and, and this, the big hair yes. and the, you know, like just yes. fucking... Well, and this is has the iconic photo, which we'll, we'll get to here in a second. Um, the last song he played was a real slashing, real con- crunchy version of, of the Trog's Wild Thing. Yep. And at the end of it, he dropped to his knees and he lit his guitar Burned on the fire. Guitar. And that... Like that was such an iconic image. Yeah. The the most iconic image was taken by an amateur photographer who just happened to be at the front of the yep. stage. He's he said that the smoke was getting to him, so he held the camera up in front of his eyes. That's you know, with the crazy. smoke. Right. And took he took like four and photos. Yeah. And like the one and they were all in black and white too. Yeah. So the ones that you see, they're colorized. The ones I had I've seen both. If you, but I mean, if you yeah, see it in color, one, yeah, if you see it, it in color, it is colorized. It's, it's actually pretty the original, well done. Yes, colorized it is. Too, which is. Well, and they shocking. had other photos in color from that, so they knew what the colors right. people were wearing were. Um, but yeah, and like Rolling Stone got a hold of that and they put yeah. it on the cover of one of the issues. It's an I, iconic I knew photo. So many people in high school and college, stonery people, that would have that. Yes poster image, yeah. I, if I had a dollar every time I saw that poster in a random person's house yeah like that I was gonna go smoke weed with I would have at least fifty dollars yeah yeah I'm gonna say it was just a complete iconic and taken just oh, uh, by accident crazy you know very cool. cool it's a great photo too it's super cool would highly recommend just like looking it up yeah making it your desktop wallpaper and just thinking about yeah Hendrix for a hot second because it's a really cool photo <laughs> and like literally overnight they became one of the most popular oh yeah highest grossing touring acts in the world you know i mean everybody after they saw that they're like we have to go see this band oh duh how often are you gonna see i mean even now and i guess unless you're into like you know like goth metal black metal and all that how often are you gonna see somebody fucking burn their goddamn instrument on stage you know that's like not a thing well and even now i would argue oops sorry yeah unless you're seeing 
like punk shows. Yeah. Well, yeah. and Hendrix was also known for like he'd play the guitar behind his head mm-hmm. and he'd play it with his teeth. And, yeah. You know, it was a very flamboyant. Act. Once again, hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just gonna say it. If Jimmy Hendrix is playing with his tongue, you know, every girl, every girl in the audience <laughs> is going, "What that tongue do?" <laughs> You know that's the first thought. That's my first thought. And I was not alive when this was happening. This is true. This is true. He died long before you were born. Yeah. Like I said, I'm sure every girl the just was like, hey. <laughs> um, they, they embarked on a tour opening for the monkeys. Oh, that had to be a weird dichotomy. Yeah. Or they, they, they were either fired or they left after six shows because the parents of the monkeys fans complained. Good shock there, and I think a lot of, and I think a lot of the monkeys fans were probably because these the monkeys appealed to a very preteen audience, and you know the Jimi Hendrix experience comes on stage and plays the way they played, and I'm sure the audience was just like, what are we watching? This is terrifying. How many girls do you think had sexual awakenings during that? I mean, they're probably probably quite a few. Because it was only six shows. I'm just saying, because six shows, let's say like ten out of every audience. That's still a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think that uh, there's, I've also heard stories that. Because as a pre, like when I was a preteen, that would have fucking, I would have been like, <laughs> I know what I want in my life. <laughs> well, I, what I was going to say is I, I do think that um, they were booked on the tour kind of with, this is probably going to be kind of a sensation. Right. Like, this isn't, this isn't really like no, no, we've no, matched no. up the two perfect that artists. That sounds, I, you know? I can't imagine watching Jimi Hendrix experience, and then still standing and being like, I want to watch the monkey. I would think I would have been like, I'm yeah. leaving. <laughs> I mean, I think the monkeys themselves were pretty excited because they, oh, they yeah. really were like interested in, I don't want to say legitimate because I think their music is legitimate, but you know. Like a harder act. Yeah, they were more of musicians than which they is were cool. giving credit to be. Which is super cool. I have no problem with that yeah. at all. I think it's just funny. I think of it from the perspective of the like tween, preteen yeah. girls that were in the audience that just were like, I don't care about the monkeys anymore (laughs) because that feels like what I would have done. Oh, I'm not listening to that. I'm going to go home and take all my posters down and put up different ones. That's what I I instantly would have gone home and been like, mom, I don't need saddle shoes anymore. I'm a grown ass adult. (laughs) Um, The album, Are You Experienced was released in the U S on October and it went to number five. Yeah. In February of 68, uh, they released their second album, Axis Bold as Love. Jimmy was getting progressively more interested in the engineering of his music, Mm. more interested, becoming more of a studio rat, um, spending more time, you know, twiddling the twiddling the knobs, doing all that kind of stuff. He just wanted to play with things, which is valid. Yeah, he started building his own recording studio, Electric Lady Studios, in New York City, and then he named the next album that they released. uh, It was a two disc album called Electric Lady Land. Right. Electric Lady Land was released in October of 1968, and it contained the song All Along the Watchtower. Amazing song. Which topped the U.S. charts. Um, it is still... the album topped the U.S. charts, and, and All Along the Watchtower was is their was their highest yes. charting single. You can turn on any radio and hear it. Yeah. yeah. I hear it constantly. I mean, I, yeah. I love it, so like, hearing it constantly is not like annoying. Yeah. It's it's not one of the ones where like you hear all the time, like any Journey songs, sorry Journey fans, they <laughs> overplay Journey. <laughs> But, like, you, you know, if, if all along the watcher comes on, you're like, oh, shit, yeah, I love this song, and you turn it up, and, you know. You're so funny, because... Why? Like, <laughs> what I do? You're the only one that would start talking about Journey in the middle of a Jimi Hendrix podcast. 
Well, it's, I was trying to get the dichotomy of, like, if you're listening to the radio and you're listening to, like, the, I'm quotations, oldies stations. I know, I, I think that's it, because, like, because Because I listen to oldies stations, usually. Yes. But because of your youth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, um... They're all oldies, as opposed oh, to sure. separate they're eras. They're not separate eras at yeah, all. Yeah. They're not at all separate eras in yeah. my mind. In my mind, they are all the <laughs> oldies station. Yeah. Which is why I said saddle shoes, which I'm pretty sure weren't even a thing that much in the 60s, but whatever. I don't know. Saddle shoes have come in and I out. Know. Because there was a time when I was in in elementary school that like and you were this, one, shoes? this one year all of the girls oh, were like let's so go weird. get saddle shoes well it's like i think i was in like sixth grade so that like would make it 71 yeah, yeah i guess that could check out yeah it just it, yeah it was just randomly well, yeah and then all of a sudden like, they ballet flats thing. came a thing when i was around yeah. that age too yeah. and that was a huge thing for a while yeah. and then which I was like the saddle shoe like two years later it was earth shoes do you know what earth shoes are i don't know what an earth shoe they is. were like these these like ugly brown lace-ups with like the, this really thicker I'm gonna have to uh, look it up. soul, yeah, they were and they were a thing. Well, like, yeah, everybody had to have an you earth had clogs shoe. for a while too. Yeah, right? there was that a while was a for thing. clogs. Yeah, yeah, I think I was a little young for the whole clog thing, but my sister. But I know one. that. Yeah, I was gonna say mm-hmm. I know that somebody had them. Wow, those are ugly. Are you looking up earth shoes? I'm looking up earth shoes. Yeah, dude. No, it was like everybody had them. The fuck? Earth shoes. <laughs> they're not good. No, they're not. I, I remember them being comfortable though. They look really comfortable. No, they, 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 they look, look like nurses. They look orthopedic like orthopedic shoes. shoes. <laughs> they literally look like orthopedic. They almost look like go walks a little yeah, bit. Like yeah. the newer Earth shoes yeah. kind of look like Skechers go walks. Which yeah. fun fact is literally what we wear all the time. <laughs> so I, I guess that go-walks. like yeah, I guess that like it kind of works. Here, do you want to look at photos? Yep, that's them. That's them. That's them. Only I have the the lace. Do you have the lace up yeah, ones? Not, they not had other photos. Yeah, I had the lace. The slip-on on. ones kind of like look this. like that one right there, then that, then the vintage. Oh ad. wow! Yeah, that was it. They almost look like a cross between Crocs and um, they were a, a creeper, yeah. a creeper. The yeah. shoe that's like the little. Yeah. Oh boy. Ooh, there's some really good ads. If anybody's curious, look up the Earth Shoe ads. Yeah. Because there's some really good ones. Oh yeah. There's yeah. some really fun early. Uh, early 70s advertising there. Okay. Well, let's, if, let's if you're get an, back to our sorry, story. Sorry, if you're an advertising person, <laughs> I, would, I would recommend, because those are pretty fun. All right. So they had just released uh, Electric Ladyland. Neat. Um, it was released... Okay, we read that already. <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> Earth shoes, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> but the demands of touring and the studio work it really started to take its toll on the group, as it does a lot. You know, in those well, days, yeah. it was so, like... Like album tour, album tour, album tour. They were just like, let's every group, every story we've read so far, it's like let's just bleed everything out of these people as, as much as you're, we can. You're squeezing them dry. Yeah, yeah, and so you know conflicts that would be pretty minor become much bigger. For sure, um, just because you're seeing these people literally every day. Yeah, so a, a rift started to develop between Jimmy and Noel Redding. A lot of it had to do with like um, work style mm-hmm. because like Jimmy would want to like you know, he's going to go into the recording studio and he'd be like to all of his friends, Hey man, we're going to be at the recording studio. Come down and hang yeah. out. And it, it like, it was always this party atmosphere. Yeah. And I think Noel Redding was just like, no, we're going we're there working. to work. Yeah. yeah. And so they, they kind of fell out. And in 1969, they disbanded. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy started to put together a new group with Buddy Miles and Billy Cox was that, was that guy that he met in the army. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It was to be called the band of gypsies. Mm hmm. But before they had actually gotten the band put together, Jimmy was invited to play Woodstock. Yep. 
So he just threw together a real quick group of people that, like, were already experienced yeah, musicians. Yeah, probably people he, like, kind of knew. Yeah, which included Mitch Mitchell was right. the drummer from uh, The Experience. And they t- they called this group the Electric Sky Church. Yeah. Um, a high point of the Woodstock Festival was Jimmy's take on the Star Spangled Banner. Everyone has heard it. Yes. I've heard it. You've heard it. The dogs heard it. Yeah. Everybody's fucking heard it. It's fantastic. Yep. And it's, Everybody's and heard it's it. on the playlist. Yes. Um, speaking of which, on Spotify, you can look for Tales from the Dark Side, Tales from the Dark Side. If you look up Tales from the Dark Side, side, you're not going to find anything. You can look up Tales from the Dark Side, and then when you're tired of looking at that, you can look up (laughs) Tales from the Rock Side and find our playlist. It's been a, it's been a couple days. It's been a little while. It's been a little bit of a weird week. Um, but yeah, I was looking at the playlist this morning. I actually will listen to this playlist. I Good. think I've heard all the songs already. Yeah. But, yeah. But I was looking at the playlist. Yeah. It's in the, the Star Spangled his version of the Star Spangled Banner. I'm sorry, it's all those S's. Oh boy. Um, it's a real tour de force, and it's got him picking oh, out the melody, and it kind of intersperses with all these like different, you know, yeah. guitar sounds that sound a little bit like airplanes and bombs. It's very cool. Um, it's it's often to be said is. Like, pundits have always said it's it was an expression of the fear and anger about the Vietnam War. Um, possibly. Jim, possibly. Jimmy himself said, we're all Americans. It was like, go America. We play also it the way. Possible. He said, we play it the way the air is in America today. The air is slightly static. Ooh. So that was what he said when right. he was directly asked about it. But, you know, like I said, you really can see that. It, well, maybe he wasn't thinking this is directly about the Vietnam War. I mean, subtext. But yeah, and there's often this thing too with like a lot of artists where they're they're picking up on things that are happening around them and they re-express it. Mm-hmm. And while it it might not be like they might not have thought, oh, I'm writing this in response to whatever. Right. It still comes out as a response to the, whatever. Yeah, the cog like you can be un uncognizant that's not the word I want Un, like unconscious of yeah. what you're adding into your artwork exactly I know my personal artwork changed quite a bit after the yeah just from a standpoint of yeah this is a fear that's happening in America and yeah. you know I already drew a lot of like women so yeah. it almost turned into drawing women in a powerful position yeah. because of the way that things kind of turned yeah and were shaped by that Election. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think an artist can definitely unconsciously uh, express things that the collective is yes. experiencing. Yes. If that makes sense. Yeah, there's a weird thing when creating art or uh, experience or whatever, you know, writing, whatever, whatever your thing is, where you tend to go into a trance almost, or like a... Mm-hmm. It's because you're using the other so side you're in of your that brain. Zone. Yeah, you're, you're in, in zone. Yeah, I call I say art brain mm-hmm. is what I say when I'm like in that, mm-hmm. um, where you're almost not consciously like making your own choices. At yeah. some at some point, yes, you're making your own choices of like this would look good here, this would look good here, but you're not like you're not thinking of the subtext yeah. as much. Yeah. You know, so uh, it's very it's very odd. And I'm not trying to sound like art pretentious or anything. My artwork is not changing yeah. the world. I'm not, you know, I'm just fucking around. It's, you know. Yeah. But there is a weird headspace that you can get into. Yeah, and it's, honestly, if you, like, read interviews with, with musicians mm-hmm. or writers or artists, oftentimes if you say, well, what inspired this? 
they really can't oh, articulate yeah. it. They're almost never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if it does look real specifically about something, yeah, like they have a hard time articulating it. Oh, for sure. There's there's been multiple times where people have been like, oh, well, what did what did uh, what did this buy? Like, I just recently did a picture of um, uh, Virginia West, a lovely drag queen that we love, mm-hmm. uh, who's here in Columbus, Ohio, and. If somebody was like, well, why did you draw her as in like a queen outfit? He said you were in like a old royal. Yeah. I would be like, which the answer truly is, I just wanted to draw a big regal dress. Yeah. <laughs> and there was nothing crazy, you know. I and I'll, she's a queen. Well, yeah, and I like I love Virginia, and I wanted to draw her for a long yeah. time, and I really wanted to draw like a big poofy queen dress, which mm-hmm. is not something I draw very often. But I could see someone being like, oh, well, it's subtext of the war on uh, gay rights and things like that. Fine. Yeah. But that wasn't where I was going. I was going, I like queen dresses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is very funny, especially if you go to an art museum. Here, there's just a little fun fact. If you go to an art museum and you go into, like, the areas that have, like, all the, like, uh, mostly the, like, still lives and things like that, just go in and, and think as an artist and be like, Oh, that artist probably went, that looks good there, and then just painted it. There's really not a lot of subtext, usually. Mm -hmm. Usually, artists just kind of go, that looks cool, (laughs) and then they just do it. Yeah. So, if you go into a museum with that thought, it's much more fun than going around and being like, what do you think this means? It's not as fun. Yeah. But but also, like I said, you know, you could could say, like, somebody's drawing, like, we'll just take the still life. That's fine. Um as a, a sample example um that they could be like um they do this still life and like everything in it is rotted right right and they might be like oh at the time all that stuff just kind of looked cool to me but also at the time there was these major political upheavals sure. going and so the artists themselves were drawn yeah to like they might not have thought they might have just been oh that looks good together and yet unconsciously they were like no i'm responding to the darker feeling of things decaying yeah because of what's going on in the wider world around for sure but i will honestly say that is way less fun to think about when you're at an art museum (laughs) it is much more fun to walk around and you see like picasso and shit and you're just like he probably was just like fucking around. You know, my which favorite is thing. So much fun. Yeah, my favorite thing. And Rachel knows this because we've been to we, many, many art museums together. We love together, a good art museum. Is I love to go up close to a painting and look at the brush. I love texture. I, I love the texture. I love to see the ones that are like Real like a Van Gogh who's super super aggressive with the amount of paint that he uses. Yeah. And, and the you know the I really, love a good I really thick like layer that. of paint. Yeah. As someone who does. Primarily digital and mostly flat paints. Uh, a good thick layer of paint is quite nice. I, however, am fucking cheap, so... <laughs> well, and you also haven't been super happy with the times that you've experimented with oil paints, too. They, Not really. I mean, I want to try again. I'm going to try again eventually. Absolutely, but but it hasn't been a natural right. feel for you, you know? Right. I do... And if, I'm doing if you're thick, doing that thick texture, yeah. it almost has to be oil. Like, you can do it with acrylic. It's just not It's as, a lot more build-up. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot. You need it to be a little squishier. Yeah. Or a little chunkier. Yeah. And oil is real chunky. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Away from the art. Tangent. <laughs> Another tangent. Um, We're chatty today. <laughs> the Band of Gypsies de- debuted at the Fillmore East December 31st, 1969, but they didn't work great as a group together. Yeah. Um, 
And so then Jimmy reformed the Jimi Hendrix Experience with Mitch Mitchell again on the, as a drummer. But this time he kept Billy Cox instead of mm-hmm. going back to Noel Redding, who he had the most conflict Well, yeah. With. And oh, I think shit. that, you know, Sorry. Billy Cox was a friend from the Army, and they worked together really well. Right, exactly. So. I managed to drop everything. I'm so sorry. Okay. Um, so they toured extensively through the first half of 1970, and they recorded several tracks for another two LP set, which was tentatively titled First Rays of the New Rising Sun. What, uh, and what's his age around here? Do you uh, know? It, this is 1970, so right around 26. 26, okay. Yeah. Um, and these, these, tro- these tracks were eventually released in 1997. Mm-hmm. They were doing some touring in Europe, and they were in Germany in September 1970. Details are kind of disputed about what happened on his last day in death, but he spent much of September 17, 1970, with Monica Daneman, who was his girlfriend his at girlfriend. the time, in London, the only witness to his final hours. According to her account, she had prepared a meal for them at her apartment at the Samarkand Hotel around 11 p.m. when they shared a bottle of wine. She drove him to the residence of an acquaintance at approximately 1.45 a.m., where he remained for about an hour before she picked him up and she drove them back to her flat at three o'clock. She said they talked until around 7 a.m. when mm-hmm. they went to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's rock star style. It I get it. It, it just sounds awful. <laughs> uh, she woke around 11 a.m. and found him breathing but unconscious and unresponsive. Mm-hmm. She called for an ambulance about 11.18. A, this is in the morning. In the morning. Uh, and it, it arrived at 11.27. Paramedics then transported him to St. Mary Abbott's Hospital, where Dr. John Bannister pronounced him dead at 1245 on September 18th. The coroner concluded that Hendricks had aspirated on his own vomit and yep. died of asphyxia while intoxicated with barbiturates. Uh, Daneman later revealed that Hendricks had taken nine of her prescribed Vesperax sleeping tablets, which yep. is 18 times the recommended dosage. Um, he had been a chronic abuser of alcohol and illegal drugs. Right. Um, where he regularly used, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> cannabis, hashish, LSD, amphetamines, particularly, Hash. particularly while touring. <laughs> <coughs> they said he really often became angry and violent while he drank too much alcohol. Right. Or when he mixed alcohol with drugs, um, which was pretty antithesis of his personality. He was right. usually a pretty mellow guy. And that had led to a bunch of different run-ins with the law over the years. Which, I mean, it makes sense. Unfortunately, yeah. it's, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, alcohol is... It'll, it'll you know. hook you up. Yeah, for sure. Especially if you're doing that and then a bunch of drugs as well. Yeah. And not like, you know, I'm not saying like, you know, you smoke a bowl, you have a glass of wine. That's, you're probably fine. Yeah. But like, you smoke a bowl, you have a glass of wine, and then you have another glass of wine, and then you have another glass of wine, and then you smoke another bowl... And then you go, oh, look, I have hash, and don't yeah. fucking do that. And yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and, you know, it it, it can really bring out your demons, too. And For sure. And like I said, he had a rough childhood, and he had a lot of demons from that. For a lot sure. of anger issues. And, well, yeah, and if you yeah. have if you have those demons from your past, it can be um, a reason to continue to drink yeah. and do alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> do alcohol. Well, yeah, it. and I mean, and this is the time, too, when it was more, like, Nobody was talking about. Everybody was doing it. Yeah, it was like everybody was doing it. Every it was a, a constant party. You're a rock star. You should be drinking and you should be doing all right. the drugs because you're a rock star. Right. You know, not thinking about the actual human person and what's right. healthy for them and what it's isn't the, healthy it's for them. It's the image versus, uh, you know, like it's image versus 
ego or person yeah. ego, is, ego versus person whatever it's called yeah. i don't remember it's, there's a there's a term yeah and this is definitely before the more healthy living movement right got started too um jimmy was also a pretty well-known ladies man well Big surprise there um he had a relationship with a super groupie devon wilson for a while his longest girlfriend was kathy etchingham and that lasted for about three years, and it, it inspired his songs through Gypsy Eyes and The Wind Cries Mary. Oh, okay. But it said that his more violent actions when he was drunk drove her away. There, I did read That's one hard. thing that said that he had um, hit her with a bottle, mm. but then I saw other things that said, oh, he was never violent towards women. So I'm not really 100% yeah. sure. Um, I, I think that probably if he was very intoxicated and in a violent mood, he could have, things could have come out. Right. He could have hit her and and, yeah. and then, you yeah. know, but it, he wasn't like, known. who, you yeah, know, she yeah. knows, but we don't. So. Yeah. And obviously, you know, she's and, yeah. doing well, so. <laughs> um, and it, it, it was like, he wasn't, he was, I obviously always slept around. Oh yeah. Um. Part of that due to the era, part of it just due to him. But I, I think that he was always somebody that really liked women. Like, he wasn't sleeping around in that, you know, I'm just a... I'm supposed to? Yeah. Yeah, yeah or I'm just going to get another notch on my belt. Right. It was more of, like, I, just, I, I love everybody. Yeah. And, you know, whoever I'm with at the moment is the most beautiful thing around me. My right. voice is starting to go out. I can hear that. Yeah. It's very weird. Sorry. Um, Jimmy was also the first person to have a plaster cast made of his penis by Cynthia Plastercaster. Yes! Very yeah. cool. Yep. He was the first one that she ever... Oh, she wasn't... He was the first rock star that rock she star. casted. Right. Um, she'd done a couple tests on some friends. Yeah. And, um... Did it start the tradition of, uh, like, like, uh... Porn stars getting their uh, junk done and like you know. Oh, I don't think that was till much later. Okay, I just curious. Yeah, she she did a handful of rock stars mm -hmm. and then there she's done a handful of women's of w women rockers uh, breasts too. I've heard that. Um, did uh, any women rocker do the the full bush? I don't know. Nobody ever said that. Just curious. I I don't know. Um, the stories I heard about her doing. I think Jimmy's the most well known person right. she ever did. Um. Because a lot of people would be like, oh, ho, ho, sure, that's fun. But like, no, I'm not going to do it. Um, <laughs> I actually kind of love that, you know, that Jimmy was probably like, oh, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. And yeah. then, like, he actually, like, whipped yeah. it out, you know, yeah. which She's, I think is very funny. She said that he was the most fun that she ever did because he was really laid back about it. I mean, it. that makes sense. Um, she said that he, because it was her first doing, like, you know, and not, I, not her first, but, but like an actual early, celebrity. Early, like this her, and her third person doing right. it. She said that uh, some of the plaster, some of his pubic hairs got caught in the plaster. Ouch. So she took a really long time trying to pull them out so he, she didn't hurt him right. real individually. And she said that uh, she undid the mold a little early and it hadn't completely set. So she's, yeah. she said that it's not the best cast she ever did. And he was a little disappointed because he said he was not quite at full. So <laughs> I he, love I that. I don't think he felt like it really portrayed him his, to his, yeah, his, his fullness, erectness. Which, which I heard was prodigious. I was going to say, I heard he had a huge <laughs> dong. Yeah. I was going to say, I heard he's got a gigantic penis. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the, the rumor. The, the rumor. Um, so yeah, but I, I think you can probably find pictures. Oh, of I'm sure you can. The, now I'm kind of curious. Can't you find? Um, Let's there was see. also later on, like a, a couple years back, there was, I think it was around 2009, there was this thing that said that they found a 
porn tape or a sex tape mm-hmm. of Jimmy and mm-hmm. it was going to get released and um the people that have seen it some people said it was definitely not him Kathy Etchingham is one that said it was not, not him. him oh I'm sorry um I mean she would know but but Cynthia Plastercaster said she thought it was him so but I think that I would go with Kathy right. Etchingham so and she obviously knew him better so, a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame was dedicated to Jimmy on November 14th, 1991, and the Jimi Hendrix Experience was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1992. Mm-hmm. Plus, there's a bazillion other, you know, awards and stuff. There's Jimmy's always on, like, the top lists of oh, the yeah. greatest rock stars ever, the greatest guitarists ever. Um, they did a postage stamp commemorating him not that long ago. I'm going to say thick. That's all I'm going to say. Do you want to say? Girthy. 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 Okay. <laughs> I'm sure that, like, the estate wouldn't do this, but I think it would be really funny if they came out with a uh, Jimi Hendrix dildo. That would amuse me. It would. I don't, I doubt the, the estate would do that. I, well, I know that there there was a time when she was like, uh, this is just the side stuff that I found when I was researching. <laughs> That, I like the research really went on a tangent this time, too, huh? That uh, Frank Zappra had said, you know, oh, we should put together a museum e- exhibit. And then it, that's where went I, through some different... That's where I found photos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know that she went through some problems with, like, for a while there, some of her casts were being held by this other... I know, right. There's a lot of that legal bullshit that always happens. Right. So... Uh, this is, like, that she had, like, an art show. That's how I found the photos. Yeah, yeah. And you I know can they, look them up. I know They're they pretty have, easy to find. Yeah. I know they have been exhibited, Yeah. you know. They were just exhibited. That's where the photos came from. Yeah. They were, like, just exhibited. I yeah. think it said it in New York, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, uh, there should be easy to find. Just type in Jimi Hendrix penis cast. There you go. Found it there instantly. Go. So that's the end of our episode on Interesting. Jimi Hendrix. Very fun. Yeah. So um, go out and listen to our, our playlist on Spotify yes. if you're It's a really interested. good one. It's really it's, fun. Yeah. It's yeah, I think it was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's and all, all of our other uh, playlists for all of our right. other episodes are up there too. So exactly, give them a listen. Um, what has your experience with Pen- Jimmy Hendrix been? Um, it was just kind of like he was always like, like he wasn't one of the people that I was like I delved deep into. Right. He's just always been around. I always thought his music was really cool. Always enjoyed what I've heard. Um. But he wasn't somebody that you were like you heard really negative things about, other than his death itself. Right. You know, I mean, obviously the thought of, you know, choking oh, your own vomit is, is really horrifying. Really scary. Um, and dying young like that and is dying, very scary. And dying young, and and it was like his death and Janis Joplin's right. and uh, Jim Morrison's all came super close really fast. to each other, and it really was like, and of course that was right after Altmont too. Exactly. And. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was, really was like it, it that. almost turned into. A but I mean, I was a child when well, all that yeah, happened. But I'm so sure I don't it, really it almost turned into it like an urban legend kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you know that whole like, yeah. oh well, if you get into the rock and roll scene, yeah. and you know it's not real anymore. Yeah. At least anymore. Uh, maybe back then it was a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at the time it happened, I think I was listening to like the soundtrack to uh, Alice in Wonderland. So, well, yeah, I, I mean, meant like I was young. You were young. <laughs> no, I meant like I meant for like older generations and like even like when you got a bit older, that was like that could have been like the scare tactic stories. Yeah, but yeah. I don't think you got them. But no, I could see other could parents see, doing yeah, that. For sure. You know, I could see for that sure. being like you're gonna end up like Jimi Hendrix or you're well, gonna end yeah. up like Janis Joplin. Yeah. And it's like. Well, and I think that, I mean, well, B. 
be looking into that more as time goes on. But I think that that kind of like into the early 70s, you started to see music start to splinter a little more. Right. So you had people that were really going into the hard rock, like Black Sabbath kind of stuff. But, but then you had a, a big movement towards the singer-songwriters right. of, you know, that California kind of thing with, uh, you know, Joni Mitchell and, mm-hmm. and Carol King and, and James Taylor. And right. So, like, you really started to see this a little more, Like you a know, splintering, like a, yeah. Exactly. For sure. Exactly. Hmm. Interesting. So, yeah. I don't think I have any super crazy stories about uh, my experience with Jimi Hendrix as like in my life um not really the only thing I can think of is uh when I was in high school I went to a high school that the colors were purple and white and so we had shirts made that said purple haze Haze. probably um wouldn't have been allowed to have those shirts now but it's fine yeah yeah I don't think they realized at the time that it was the name and a a lot of the teachers a lot of the teachers had the shirts that said purple haze and the student section was called purple haze yeah so, um, I'm not sure how we got away with a lot of that, but we did. Yeah. Uh, I wish I still had a purple hay shirt. I don't anymore. Or at least I did and it doesn't fit because yeah. I'm a, a woman now. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't really fun. Yeah. That's like well, the, and, and we played, the band played a yeah. couple of Hendrix songs yeah. as well. And quite honestly, you know, I mean, everybody knows how influential Hendrix was on every guitarist that's come oh, my since God. him. I know so many people who yeah. learned guitar and like one of the first things they learned is uh, a Hendrix song yeah. or a... You know what I mean? Like when you're like really in and you're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking do this. Yeah. You learn a Hendrix song. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. Uh, and very neat. He's got a really cool guitar. Yeah. Um, sound. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yep. It's sad to think about what he could have done, continue mm-hmm. to do, but. Yep. Unfortunately, it happens. Yep. Yeah. So we want to thank Billy Zen again for our theme song, Don't I Know You. Thank you, Billy. And we're gonna thank Rachel Karn again for our logo. Thank you, Rachel. You're welcome. Uh, don't forget that we have an Instagram, Tales from the Rockside. See, I said that I keep stumbling over Rockside. It's Tales from the, Tales it's from Tales the from, Rock Side. Tales from the Cock Side, and it's all pictures of celebrity dicks. No, yeah, it's not. It's I not. don't think our Instagram will survive no, that. Nope. I was going to say, like, oh, I'll post the picture of the, the mold. I don't think yeah, I, I think Instagram might no, ban me, so I won't do that. I might not want to do that one. But do, she will have some pictures I'll post some of pictures. Hendrix up. Obviously, put up that iconic. Uh, oh, the fire! Fire! Yes, that'll be a wild thing. One. I, I'm going to see if I can find uh, a black and white and a colorized, just so cool. you can look and see the difference. Because I think colorizing is very interesting. Yes, but yep. I might be the only person who finds it interesting. So if you don't, sorry. <laughs> um, we also have a Facebook. Please like, rate, and review us on iTunes. Yep, yep. And really recommend us to everyone you know yep, we yep. we really would like to have some followers we really we love doing this podcast it's a lot of fun we'd like to hear some feedback so we'd love some feedback absolutely write to us yep. on rockside tales at gmail.com yep you we can also it. uh dm the instagram i run the instagram so yes. i will see it it pops up you know uh it'll pop up notifications absolutely so cool. uh thanks for listening rock on